Welcome to Mike Talk Sports Podcast. I am Mike Schneid. This is episode number one of 2019. And to kick off the new year, I am super excited to announce that I have a new co-host, my buddy, Z-Stein. Zach Stein. What's up, everybody? Z, how's it going, buddy? It's going all right. Uh, just want to put it out there for bias going forward for this year. Big Hoosier guy. We took a tough loss against Nebraska tonight. We'll live. Big Vikings fan, Lakers fan, Dodgers fan. Have lived in L.A., Boston, and Chicago. So I feel like I got a unique take on some major sports areas. So excited to be joining this year. So just let, those, just let people know you're a Lakers fan. But are you one of the Lakers still a bit with the tags still on your LeBron jersey? Or <laughs> do you actually have like a Kobe or a Shaq or even a Pau Gasol jersey? I, I have the I have the old Kobe number eight jersey. Um, All right, so that, makes you, so that makes you a real Lakers fan. You're not like these children. I got, I got the Kobe eight. I got the Kobe <laughs> eight. I mean, you know, I got a lot of friends who will you know talk you know a lot of trash to me about my my NBA fanhood, but whatever it is, you know, it's we rep that uh, purple and gold. But we, uh, you know, we're we're good. But I'm looking forward to talking yeah. NBA later on. Yeah, we'll get to the NBA. So four things on the on the agenda. We're going to recap NBA, uh, the NFL playoffs, talk about some and the NBA MVP, and then college basketball to date. So let's jump right in. We were just talking about LA. Why don't we start there with the Rams, who won their first playoff game since 2004, and sadly they did it against my Cowboys. Uh, disappointing <laughs> outcome for me personally. I'd love to get an outsider's point of view. How'd that game look to you? I mean, you know, it's tough. I understand, you know, the Cowboys had a great year. For me, I definitely thought they wouldn't have been a playoff team. I was one of the people who, you know, definitely thought Cowboys might have been like an 8-8 eight and eight team. So for me, this is a team that exceeded expectations, were able to get a playoff win. So huge, you know, props to the Cowboys on an awesome season. But then, you know, going against, you know, the Rams in L.A., I mean, that's, you know, top four offense in the NFL this year. I think everyone is not surprised that they're in the, their conference championship game. But, I mean, you can't let a guy like C.J. Anderson run for 123 yards on you. Well, that's the thing is I'm watching this game with Lance, who's also part of my drop, and he's also a Cowboys fan. And we're saying if Todd Gurley runs for 150, 200 yards and he beats you, then so be it. I mean, it's Todd Gurley, but – can't let C.J. Anderson get 110 yards and two touchdowns. That's what's unacceptable. That's what's frustrating is that they, they got here from the defense, and the defense was just gassed from the beginning and gave up 150 yards to a guy that weighs about 500 pounds right now. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's definitely, you know, interesting. But, I mean, good for a guy like C.J. Anderson. I mean, that guy was, what, cut by like four different teams this year, signs on with the Rams late in the year with the – the nagging girly injuries and just puts up like a hundred yards in like three straight games for them or something like that. I mean, yeah, he was, he was sitting on the couch like yeah. and I were a month ago. Yeah. So that's uh, good for that's him. how you make some money. Exactly. And I'm curious <laughs> if anybody gives him money after this. I show. have no idea. I mean, running backs have become a weird position. CJ Anderson had a huge game Saturday. Damian Williams had a huge game for the chiefs. So running backs become a weird position. That's why the Cowboys lost was, Former number four pick in the draft, Ezekiel Elliott, was terrible. 
The play calling was atrocious. On fourth and one in Rams territory, Zeke decided to go straight into the middle of the Rams' line, right at Aaron Donald and Dominic Sue. That was an absolutely horrible idea. It didn't work. There was that play. There was the third and 14 pass interference on Byron Jones, and there was that infamous Dak sack. I don't know what happened on that play. He got wrapped by his own lineman. <laughs> I see all your pain. That was a very bizarre call. Um, you know, good year for the Cowboys. It was fine. Nobody thought they would get here, especially after the Amari Cooper thing. But props to the Rams, who didn't – I don't think they played their best game. I, Jared Goff didn't impress me, but maybe he didn't need to. Maybe it was just because they were running the ball nonstop. And yeah. I'm not sure that they're going to beat the Saints next week. Uh, that's going to be – I'm so torn on that. I mean, for me, you know, the Rams controlled that game, obviously, with the running – I mean, I'm looking at a time of possession is 36 minutes to 23 minutes. I mean, that's the ball game right there easily, you know, the story of the game. But for me, it's like I understand, you know, the Saints in the Dome, Saints in the Dome, unbeatable. Everyone's talking about that all year. For the last month or so, though, I know that the Saints, you know, rested their starters in week 17, but it's like they have not impressed me. They didn't impress me against the Eagles. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like, you know, you got two juggernaut offenses, and, but you've got one offense that's sort of been – slowed down the past month and then you've got this Rams team where is Gurley all that healthy but he ran for 100 yards last week and so it's going to be an interesting game in the dome yeah I can't wait to see that I think if you're I know you're a gambler yeah so if you're a gambler and you're listening bet the over yeah bet the that's over I, I definitely will be rooting for that in the century <laughs> um but yeah I mean I'm I'm torn on it I do want the Saints to win I, they're on right they're undefeated in the dome Brees and Peyton have never lost a home playoff game in New Orleans. I still think the Rams are a little bit young. Um, you know, I, I think I trust the Saints defense, I think, more than I trust the Rams defense at this point to get one extra stop. I, I, I'll agree with you there. I mean, I'll definitely favor that Saints team. But, I mean, again, you know, they're at home. The Eagles defense has been sort of weakened in the secondary, you know, recently. And they really didn't take advantage. I mean, Breeze, the first play of the game where he went deep, gets picked off. And then, I mean, they only put up, you know, 20 points. And, and you know, outside of that, you know, big Camara TD that was taken back on a holding call, uh, I mean, he just almost was invisible. I mean, I, I, I just looked and I was shocked that he even got 20 combined touches in the game. Uh, I didn't think he did much. And then, obviously, Michael Thomas is ridiculous. Is Michael Thomas – where does Michael Thomas rank to you? I saw a lot of people debating this. Uh, and a lot of passionate takes on this. For me, like, Michael Thomas is definitely, you know, you're, you're guaranteeing top three. But for me, only because I've seen what this guy can produce without Deshaun Watson on the field, DeAndre Hopkins is number one in my book. I mean, that guy put up sick numbers with, like, Tom Savage as his quarterback. Like, this guy produces no matter what. He's got Deshaun Watson now. He – He's just an absolute stud. And so I definitely think I go DeAndre Hopkins is one. I'm going to go Michael Thomas, two above Antonio Brown, just because of this weird stuff that Antonio Brown's going through with all this diva stuff. I'm not a big fan of it. So I'm knocking Antonio Brown down that three spot. So you're knocking him down because of that. But would you knock him off the all-pro like what Peter King did? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't. I mean, Antonio Brown was not no, an all pro. I, I would, <laughs> that's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Antonio Brown is an all pro wide receiver. There's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to start a franchise today and if you're going down the line with wide receivers, I'm taking Michael Thomas before I take Antonio Brown. That's why when you're taking Hopkins before, I yep. agree that I would take Hopkins over Thomas, but Thomas is definitely number two. People are trying to say that he's not even in the top three or top five, which I think is. Insane. Silly. I mean, his Twitter handles can't guard Mike, and nobody can no. guard him. Uh, but you said, I mean, the Saints, I don't know if they struggled or if the Eagles just rose to the occasion. Whatever it was, I was impressed by the Eagles. Absolutely. And Team of Destiny with Nick Foles. It, look, I don't like the Eagles. I celebrated that loss <laughs> as if the Cowboys had won the Super Bowl. But huge props to them. They overcame a lot of obstacles. They got back to the playoffs. They got this far. A heartbreaking Heartbreaking loss. I like Alshon Jeffrey. So that, I mean, that ending really sucked. It wasn't Foles' fault from the pick. It just it got away from Jeffrey. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely tough. But now this is uh, probably the biggest debate going on now is uh, what did the Eagles do at quarterback with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. I mean, do you think – so what do you think? Was that Nick Foles' last pass as an Eagle? As an Eagle? I, I mean, yes. If we're talking absolute football sense – I think Nick Foles is done as an Eagle. I mean, you invested so much in Carson Wentz. I mean, last season, they were the one seed, you know, going all the way through with Wentz at that point before he went down. And then obviously Nick Foles, miracle Super Bowl. And then I, I personally don't know if Wentz was all that healthy going forward, you know, this year. And then, I mean, but they looked terrible with him at them. But, I mean, for me, you know, as a sports fan with – you know, Nick Foles basically saved their season this year, almost got them back to the NFC Championship game. And, I mean, it was basically, I mean, saved them. I mean, got them in the playoffs with the Vikings, which really sucked. I mean, I, I just, you know, thinking about what you can trade Carson once for with some QB needy teams there and, you know, signing Nick Foles to maybe, you know, a three-year deal or whatever, I think you can get Wentz for a couple first-rounders in. And so it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know. The guy just knows how to win. The guy is a winner for the Eagles. How do you, how do you just let him walk? For the Eagles. Right. But would he be a winner for somebody else? I, That's what the question is. And my concern is you trade once for all these other pieces. You sign Foles to a deal. But what happens if Foles turns into a pumpkin? Now you lost your franchise quarterback. You have all these other pieces, but you can't win but without that But is Carson Wentz a franchise quarterback? He was the MVP in 2017 before he tore his knee. He had 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He was the MVP. Right. But they also weren't going to make the playoffs if they finished the season with him. Right. But he went five and six. He missed those first two games. I believe he came back week three. He wasn't, like you said, he wasn't all there this year. I think he, there were some struggles. There were some rush, not having training camp. You know, Alshon Jeffrey started off slow, too. They had zero running game this year. I agree. It was a tough year. I would, st- I, I would stick with the 26-year-old quarterback and move on from Foles. The thing is, you can't make an emotional decision. Foles might honestly be the greatest player in the history of the Eagles. He did. I, I know everyone loves Brian Dawkins, but he did what no man has ever done before. He got them the Super Bowl. He might be the most beloved eagle of all time, but you can't take that into consideration when you make this decision. I, I, I feel you. Out of absolute football sense, it absolutely makes sense. You got to move on from him. But it just, 
you got to feel so dirty as, you know, a fan, as someone who runs that organization of just letting this guy go for nothing when he's literally won a Super Bowl and then saved them this year and made them relevant this year. So it's hard. It's tough. Oh, of course. It's, it's, it's a dirty business, of course. But you said that you can get multiple first-round picks for Wentz, which I totally agree with. What's Foles even worth I, at 30 years old with no success beyond his Eagles career? He's also – he's had the weirdest career. He won the Super Bowl. He threw seven touchdowns in a, in a, in a game. He also had a season where he threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Right. I mean, <laughs> the guy is an anomaly because you don't, you don't know what you're going to get. He's such a wild card, such a destiny man for this Eagles team. But, I mean, it, it, I definitely think, you know, with a team that is looking to draft a quarterback this year, and I know we have, like, a record amount of rookie quarterbacks starting a game, you know, this year, which is really fun. And I'm glad, you know, NFL teams are taking risks with the guys that they draft so high. But, I mean, Nick Foles is, could be the perfect bridge gap, you know, as a veteran, Super Bowl winner, knows how to win, maybe signed to a two-, three-year deal for a team that takes maybe a first-round QB or a QB in, like, the second or third round, and you hope that, you know, it clicks. But, I mean, for a team like the Dolphins or, or someone like that who are saying that they want a new quarterback, I think Nick Foles would be great. you got wide receivers there. You're going to have a new coach. You, you could have a new FC. Like, that could be a good fit for him. Maybe. If Jim Caldwell is the offensive coordinator, I don't think they have that much talent. I don't know if I – I love Nick Foles. I don't think I want him to go to the Dolphins. But I get the point. <laughs> he needs to go to a team that wants a young quarterback to groom right. them. That's definitely a good fit for him. I just I, – I hope he doesn't go to the Dolphins. Cause I think I, that, ruin, that was just the first one. Reputation. That was just the first <laughs> one that rolled off my uh, – the tip of my tongue there. So, I uh... – all right, so we have number one versus number two in the NFC. We have number one versus number two in the AFC. Shockingly, the Patriots are in the AFC Championship. Actually, shockingly, the last time they weren't in the AFC Championship, Mark Sanchez was. Yeah. Here's another great Mark Sanchez stat. Tom Brady calls himself the greatest of all time. He has a losing record on the road in his playoff career. He's only played seven road games, but he's three and four. And Mark Sanchez has four road playoff victories. There's your fun fact for the podcast. (laughs) That is a a dark hole to be going down. I don't know if I want to argue against Mark Sanchez right now. But this team, (laughs) this Pats team, everyone was saying, oh, they're they're done. They're done. They're done. The second you count out Tom Brady, he just balls out again. I mean, they, they absolutely whooped a really good Chargers team. And there was a really good really Chargers, Chargers team. And <laughs> you're talking about Rob Gronkowski outside of blocking, although he was amazing at blocking that game. Complete non-factor. So very, yeah, I mean, very he's been impressive. a non-factor all year. Yeah, absolutely. They, this they, it took week 17 for them to play their most complete, their most complete game. Yeah. They haven't been this good all no, year. But this is, so, yeah, people but count this out Tom Brady. I mean, they count out Gronkowski. In the playoffs, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's very stupid to say this, but, I mean, this is how fortunate Patriot fans have been, you know, living in Boston area for four years and just being surrounded by Pats fans. It's just their, their season doesn't start until the playoffs start. That is their mentality. The season is just a warm-up. You get to try out new players. I mean, like I said, they had Dorsett all year. They tried out with Josh Gordon, the rookie Sony Michelle. 
they basically played a whole year without Gronk, and they played the first four games without Edelman. So it was just basically a tune-up all year. They beat the, they won the games that they needed to do. They beat the Chiefs, so they've got that mentality over them that they know that they can beat them already. And, but now they got to go do that on the road. But, I mean, it's just – it's Brady and Belichick. It is – it's science. It's just laws of facts that they're going to be in the AFC Championship game. It's so frustrating. <laughs> really, I just want one new team sometime. I want the Chiefs to win so bad for so many reasons. I love Mahomes. Travis Kelsey is a Cincinnati guy. Chiefs look great. I, I know Patrick Mahomes wasn't phenomenal against the He Colts, was good he enough. He made enough plays. He was good enough. He did what he needed to do. The run game stepped up in the defense, which much maligned during the season. Everyone said their defense is terrible. They were amazing. They, I mean, absolutely, you got to give their defense, you know, a ton of credit. I mean, the Colts were the hottest team at the time going into that game. And, you know, it was even a trendy gambling pick was to go in on Colts' money line, take the points. That was, you know, very popular. But then for me, the second that game started, I knew something was very off by the Colts. They looked very uncomfortable on that field when the Chiefs were just running around like they always do. And I was just like, the, the Colts looked a step off that entire game. Yeah, they did. It really, it really is amazing when you look at the four teams that had a bye and the four underdogs because Cowboys came in rolling, winning seven of eight, and then the playoff game last week. So eight of nine coming into this weekend. Uh, the Colts started one and five. The Eagles had to win four in a row just to get three in a row just to get in the playoffs and then the game last week. Chargers had the best record in the AFC. And really, the Cowboys, I guess, were the closest result, or the Eagles, too. But none of these teams, other than the Eagles, really ever looked like they had a chance. No. Very, very, I mean, besides the ending of the, the Eagles-Saints game, like, that, it was a very boring playoff weekend. Very boring in terms of just blowout games, not competitive games. It was very boring. I don't think that's going to be the case next week. I think... If yeah, you're you a the, true football you have the player, four best yeah. teams in football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're if you were looking at week six, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the Patriots weren't playing that great, but you're not going to count the Patriots after week six. These are the four teams pretty much everyone expected to be the final four. And you know, as boring as it may sound, these are the four best teams. I mean, the Chargers were really, really, really good, but it's Brady and Belichick, so whatever. But these are the four best teams, four best offenses. These teams can put up. 40 points with just closing their eyes and it's going to be fun. Take the over <laughs> in both games. <laughs> Definitely take the over. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch. I'm going to take the chiefs. I know it's, it's the stupidest possible thing you can do is betting against the Patriots in the playoffs. But I just, I think Andy Reed is experienced enough. He's built an older experienced coaching staff. I think, I don't know what edges they have. I'm just going with my gut here. And I think Mahomes to Kelsey, Mahomes to, uh, to Hill, and this running game, I think the Chiefs will beat the Patriots. It, this is going to be the toughest test, I think, you know, of stopping the Patriots going in. I mean, they've always their, – their weakest heel is always going against, like, a superb defense, like losing to the Jets or losing to the Ravens. So it's always been an insane – defense that's been able to slow them down they're finally playing a team that can outscore them which is rarely the case yeah 
Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. I mean, any of the four. The truth is, as much as people are sick of the Patriots, any of these four Super Bowl options are going to be awesome. Absolutely, you you can simulate it any way you want. It's going to be a fun matchup. I mean, you have very possible Boston, LA. You have Brady, Breeze, Mahomes, just as amazing. I mean, it's just there's endless combinations where it's going to be so much fun, and you're going to be able to pick a side to root for or root against very easily. Of course, and both Patriots matchups are actually very interesting because with the Saints, all due respect to Jake DeLome and Nick Foles, Drew Brees would by far be the best quarterback that Brady's ever matched up against in the Super Bowl. And then against the Rams, 17 years ago, the Patriots beat the Rams. Yeah. 17 years later, Brady and Belichick are still kicking in New England. So that's a crazy story. Obviously, the Chiefs-Rams was the game of the year with 105 points and 1,000 yards. And the Saints are better than the Rams. So Saints-Chiefs is just Chiefs-Rams on steroids. It, it, we're, <laughs> we're honestly very spoiled as football fans for this upcoming weekend and then going into Super Bowl. I, I, I really think you know yeah. we're, we're very spoiled. Four great quarterbacks. Four great offenses. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. And then you have all those teams that didn't make the playoffs. And you had eight teams that were really bad this year that fired their coaches. And that's been one of the big topics of the offseason. It's been one of the big focal points on MikeDropSports.com. It's kind of these looking at these coaching hires, and everyone wants the next Sean McVay. And I kind of talked about this this morning a little bit in my article, is that Everyone wants the next Sean McVay, but the real Sean McVay just won his first playoff game. So it's kind of hard to find the next great genius when he hasn't won anything yet. I, I completely understand. I mean, it's, that's, that's the thing about the NFL. It is a mimic sport. So you're going to go and try to mimic what's good, which is the strangest thing. It's like everyone is also quick to the gun to try to hire any of Belichick's coaching tree, right? And yet none of them have panned out. It's been atrocious, but it's amazing what Belichick has been able to do with, you know, all these, you know, assistants around him in the past, you know, 15 years or whatever. But then they go on and have their own show and they've all pretty much come up very short of expectations for those teams. So it's just, it's super weird on either trying to find that McVay or trying to find that next Belichick. And it's like, is that even the way to go? What about the next Andy Reid? Andy Reid's coaching tree consists of John Harbaugh, Pat Shermer, who's yeah, Ron Rivera. I mean, both Harbaugh and Rivera have been to Super Bowls. Sean McDermott. And obviously now, Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. So, to me, when looking at the eight new coaches hired, the worst move made was the Bengals. Oh, they should I have hired Eric. They should have hired Eric Bieniemy. The Chiefs' offensive coordinator. If for no other reason than look at Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, but Bieniemy, he's been around for a very long time. Very knowledgeable coach. He doesn't look like Sean McVay. He doesn't know Sean McVay, but you know what? He knows offense and he knows football. And I know Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, the quarterback switch of the Rams that the Bengals are hiring, he was the offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati two years ago. Cincinnati's offense was ranked 120. So. You can't coordinate a college offense. Yeah. How are you going to run that, an NFL team? That hire was straight out of left field. I agree. That is the worst hire <laughs> in the offseason. 
by doubt. I think number two goes to the Packers. I don't, I don't know what they saw in the Titans offense this year to go and pluck their offensive coordinator. But <laughs> as a Vikings fan, it pleases me that this is the guy that they chose. I mean, but uh, I just don't know unless, you know, he was a big factor in just giving the ball to Derrick Henry at the end of the year. I mean, he was, he looked rejuvenated. So I, you know, as Packers and fantasy fans, maybe that's a good sign for Aaron Jones next year with getting the ball a ton. Um, I know a lot of people have been screaming for that, but I just, that offense and the Titans was the most boring team to watch for me in the NFL this year. They pay a ton of money for Deion Lewis, use them completely in the wrong way. And I mean, I understand Mariota was injured a lot, a lot of the year too, which doesn't help the offense, but I mean, their, their offense was really boring to watch. Yeah, no, it really was. Like you said with Derrick Henry, it took him 13 weeks to realize he had Derrick Henry. So the weird thing about LaFleur, I don't know how to say it, but Matt LaFleur is he's four years older than Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers stopped respecting Mike McCarthy. Fair enough. They were together 11, 12 years. You know, time runs out. But is Aaron Rodgers really going to listen to and respect a guy that's four years older than him in his first job? I mean, what happens the first time? He calls a play that Rodgers doesn't like, and then Rodgers checks out of it. I just right. don't see this ending well for anybody. No. But now, on the flip side of things, who do you think had the best hire? You know, before this weekend, I thought it was the Broncos. I loved what them getting Vic Fangio, and I thought Gary Kubiak coming in to be the offensive coordinator would be great. But it sounds like something happened. You actually got Kubiak today, which I think is awesome. Yeah, for the I Vikings. thought that was a great, great hire for the Vikings. Really excited about because that. Because I mean, he's a bright mind. He's been around for thirty years. He coached Elway when Elway won the Super Bowl. I mean, he's been around a long time. Um, I still do like the Fangio move. I think Fangio has proven, you know, he's more than, because he's going to be more than a coach. He's proven he's going to be a leader. He can build a foundation for the Broncos. I just think they needed somebody a little bit older, a guy who's been around for a while. Uh, to establish something after the Vance Joseph disaster. I'm torn on Bruce Arians. I like I Bruce Arians. Coach. I think he'll do great with Jameis Winston, but Jameis Winston and the offense wasn't the issue. It was the defense. So I'm not sure that that's the direction I would have gone in. I think he's a great coach. It could work because it brought in Todd Bowles as the defensive coordinator, though. I also like that they brought Leftwich along with them, too. Yes. I have a Leftwich jersey somewhere, somewhere like my house somewhere. I love Leftwich. So I thought still I thought the Cardinals were going to give Leftwich a chance to uh, either be the offensive coordinator or even the head coaching gig, because I really thought the offense did change when he started taking control. They remember that they had David Johnson, which is you know a top five running back when healthy in the league, and obviously you know Josh Rosen. I, I thought you know is a Immense talent. I think they rushed him along too quickly. I thought he would have done well if they sat him for a full year. But obviously, their starting quarterback was not up to par for them this year. So it made sense to to try it out. But you know, but I and then that's another wacky hire uh, to talk about was for the Cardinals with uh, Kingsbury. Yeah. No, I was going to ask you what's your thoughts on that. The guy had a losing record in college, and I mean, now all of a sudden he's capable of running an NFL team. Yeah, I mean, at Texas Tech, I mean, points, 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 Mahomes. I mean, that there, the offensive genius. I mean, this is, for me, like, as close to maybe trying to find that Sean McVay 
type offense, type offensive groove, like coach, like possible right now. Cause I mean, this guy knows how to run up the points. You got a young quarterback who can sling it. You got David Johnson. Uh, I don't know if you've got much else right now. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's at the, the end of his run, but I, it's either going to be the absolute home run or he's going to be fired within two years. I kind of think he's going to get fired. I think he could be successful in the right situation. I just don't think the Cardinals are the right situation. I think Rosen has potential. David Johnson's great, but like you said, they don't have much else there. They don't have an O-line. They don't have a defense. I guess they're going to get Nick Bosa to pair with Chandler Jones, but there's not much there. Nope. And then, so I stand on the Cardinals, who do have the number one pick. Uh, before we segue over basketball, Kyler Murray announced today that he will declare for the NFL draft. Doesn't mean he's necessarily going to do, choose football over baseball. He's still deciding. What would you do if you were Kyler Murray? It's so hard. I mean, he's already got the $4 million from the A's at that signing bonus, which is a very generous signing bonus to begin with for baseball. Um, and then obviously, you know, he's very smart to be going back to, to MLB and asking for more guaranteed money to be guaranteed on a 40-man <laughs> roster. I, I get I, because, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, think about it. I mean, does baseball, you have a long career. You're not going to get hopefully injured or anything like that. So I understand the longevity in the career and making more money in baseball is definitely probably more exciting than Kyler Murray. Now, going from Heisman winner to one of the best offenses like college has ever seen and, you know, where you're going to be going in the first round, maybe someone trades up for you to go number one overall and you're going to make, you know, $30 million right off the bat. Who knows what city you'll live in, but you're not going to have to do that minor league travel bus rides all the time. It's, it's tough. Do you take that guaranteed money that the NFL has to offer, but no, you're probably only going to play maybe, you know, 10 years where you can have a very successful, make a lot of money if you pan out in baseball and have, you know, a 12, 15 year career there. It's, it's very hard. It, it's, I, we haven't seen anything like this in a long time. I want to see him do both. I want to see him go to the Raiders and I want to see him play quarterback in the fall and outfield in the summer. I, I mean, that would be wild. Let him just stay in Oakland. I, I know it's literally impossible because you have OTAs and practices and spring training and there's too much, too much behind the scenes stuff, so it'll never happen. I agree with all that. I mean, it's, it's a tough decision. It's the health. It's the longevity. It just depends on what his priorities are. I mean, he might want to be a star. If you want to be a star in this world, if you want the fame, the NFL is the obvious, the obvious answer. Yeah. I think what's hilarious is he did this meeting with the A's on Sunday night, and baseball marketers were actually at the meeting. Baseball needs Kyler Murray way more than he needs baseball. Absolutely, they do. I mean, the fact that they were trying to change rules with getting him on the 40-man roster just speaks to how important he is. But then again, I mean, he's the best quarterback prospect that we have out there, and the NFL needs quarterbacks. So it's just – it's a very strange place. I, You know, I, it's a great place to be in for him because he's going to make a lot of money regardless. It's just – it's for him. Clearly, you know, a year ago, it was all baseball for him. And now that, you know, he had this success with football, I, the NFL's got to be a really exciting option for him right now. Do you think it could come down to who drafts him? We talked about the Dolphins before. Do you think if he goes to the Dolphins and he realizes this coaching staff sucks, this team sucks, I'm going to play baseball. 
Could you see that happening? Uh, I don't know. I would hope, you know, <laughs> that before the draft, this is all resolved where there, we don't have to worry about that. If he's going to be committing to get drafted, then that means he made football as his choice. And, I mean, for me, selfishly, I think I, I, I want him to play football because that means we get more Kyler Murray. And watching Oklahoma games this year was just plain fun. And I want a little bit more of that instead of waiting for him maybe, you know, three years in the minors and then, you know, hoping that he pans out. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I don't – I've sort of given up on baseball. But even if I haven't, I mean, he'd be playing on the Oakland Athletics. How often are they on ESPN? They start at 10.30 East Coast time, 9.30 your time. Yep. I don't have time to stay up every night to watch Kyler Murray. I want to watch him once a week every Sunday. I very selfishly hope he chooses football. I hope it works out for him money-wise and health-wise. But – He's got to be in the NFL. I agree. I think the NFL was the right choice. Go, go in the NFL draft. Get you know, have a team trade up for you that wants you. And I mean, obviously, this is where a good agent comes in, where you you're not sort of blindsided on who's going to hopefully you know do that trade and draft you. So hopefully, you know, he gets put in a good situation. Absolutely. So shifting gears to basketball, and kind of looking at the NBA. And looking at the MVP, because this is, I know it's only January, but it's been a really hotly debated topic. My question about the MVP is, how do you even pick? It's, because if it's most valuable player. It's LeBron. If you take, right. And I mean, the Lakers are three and seven without him. But if you take Giannis off the Bucks, It's the same thing. They don't thing. have the second best record in the NBA. If you take Harden away from the Rockets, they have four wins. I mean, it's. How would you choose? How would you even go about choosing at this point? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, the LeBron missing the games and how good the Lakers have looked with him and they've exceeded, you know, expectations. I don't think anyone, you know, had them being like a four seed this year, which is where they were before LeBron went down. But now, you know, you're talking now 10 games missed. So now is that fair to the guys who are going to be playing, you know, 80 to 82 games this year, barring health? You know, is that fair to, you know, Harden? Is that fair to Giannis? Is that fair to Westbrook? Is that fair to even Paul George, who I think should be mentioned? Is that fair to Oladipo? Like, it's crazy the the amount of talent that the NBA has with these stars who control these teams and make them completely relevant, where if you take them off, they're just, they're nothing. It's really amazing. And the NBA is in a good place with all this star power. Absolutely. And all the guys you just mentioned are under 30. So yeah. it's really, except LeBron. So it really, who will always be under 30 to everybody. Yep. So it really is amazing. I mean, how do you decide? Obviously, James Harden is the guy who everyone wants to talk about. He scored 40 points and about 100 straight games out. The Rockets are still in sixth place. So yeah. I, I know that they're, they're five games back, but how valuable can he be if he's on the sixth place team? Even though he's putting up unbelievably historic numbers. Right. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, the, the Raptors finished number one in the regular season last year. I know Kawhi Leonard's been amazing, but they're really no better or worse than they were last right. year. And the reason why I'm going to take away Harden from this as the MVP, I believe the year where Kobe it was right after they traded Shaq and they were the eight seed before they went and got Gasol, like Kobe was averaging like 36 points a game or something like that. Obviously, they were terrible, but even when MVP that year, like they were in the AC, he won the scoring, chip, the scoring title, but didn't win MVP on, you know, a very poor team that he got to the playoffs. So it's just at this point, you know, 
Harden is, ooh, uh, you know, super fun. But, you know, that he doesn't play defense. He, he scores a lot of points. I think a guy like Giannis, who takes control of the, the court on both ends, is the guy who, in my opinion, is, is leading this MVP case right now. I'm with you on Giannis because when you look at, like I said, the Raptors were in first last year. The Rockets were in first, and now they're in sixth. I just think LeBron has missed too many games to be considered. I agree. But you look at the Bucs. I mean, they're elevated with Giannis. I mean, they were, they were seventh last year. Now they're two. They're one, one game back of the Raptors. Uh, they're tied in losses for the best record. Mike Budenholzer might have actually been the best acquisition of the offseason. Bucks hiring him from Atlanta. I mean, he really has taken them to another level. And I'm going to throw another name out there that gets zero respect. He won't start the All-Star game. I don't even think he's in the top ten. But Nikola Jokic is the guy that people need to learn to respect. Oh, he's a machine. He is one of the most unique talents the NBA has ever seen. It's an unbelievable pass where he gets every rebound. He can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He's not going to be the MVP. He might not even be in the top three. But the Nuggets aren't the number one seed in the West without Jokic. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, everyone, you know, talks about, you know, Westbrook and, you know, averaging the triple-double numbers. I mean, Jokic is pretty much doing the same at the center position. Un- unheard of, essentially. Like Larry Bird. Where does Bird your boy Oladipo? Where does uh, where, I, I like that analogy, actually. Larry Bird and Jokic. Where does Oladipo fall? on the MVP pecking order. I mean, they're in third. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, he might sneak in that bottom of the top 10 list. I mean, obviously, he got a lot of attention, deservingly so, last year, especially, you know, in the playoffs, you know, almost beating the Cavs last year uh, was really fun to watch as a Hoosier fan. And then, obviously, you know, this year he missed some time, but the Pacers luckily were able to keep the status quo kind of without him. And But obviously, you know, now he's back. The Pacers are rolling. He's rolling. Um, I don't think he's quite there yet just because, I mean, the stats are good, but they're not Giannis, they're not Harden, they're not Westbrook, they're not even Jokic numbers. I, so, I mean, you're definitely – I think he's getting finally the respect that he deserves and the attention he deserves, but he's not quite there yet. Maybe in three years, maybe, if he, if he keeps elevating the way he's been elevating, he's got a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think – and, you know, about Oladipo. It's a shame that he plays in Indiana and Jonathan Milwaukee because I don't know that they get the, and Jokic in Denver. I don't know that these guys get the respect that they should. You look at the last All Star voting. It's I mean Jonathan obviously does lead the East. Oladipo is fifth in guards. I mean that's a shame. Yeah, that he's so far down there. Yeah, I mean that's you know, it, it's tough because Indianapolis it is a sports town. They love their teams. They're very faithful. But just from knowing that town and going to college there and living there for four years, that state is just so content with just everything. And they might hoot and holler about it, but it's, it's their own fault. You got to look at your own eyes. They're not going out there. They're not voting. Um, they're just, they're very quiet fan base, but very loyal. Absolutely. And how about the West? How about the West voting? If this, if the all-star game was tomorrow, the last three NBA MVPs and former Oklahoma city teammates Harden, Westbrook, and Durant would not be starting in the All-Star game. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Uh, it's, it's an exciting time. Luka Doncic I mean, and Derek Rose would be starting. Right. And then, I mean, this, I mean, that's the thing. It's like 
People are getting behind Derrick Rose, amazing comeback tour. And then Luka Doncic, I mean, it's, it's super exciting. It sort of reminds me of when Yao Ming, you know, joined the league. And everyone was, like, just amazed, you know, at the center from, from Asia just coming in and, and dominating. But he didn't put up the huge numbers. But Doncic is a true talent. And, it, and it's exciting that he's getting this recognition. Now, is he deserving to start over these guys? No, I think he should be a bench player. But it is, it's just funny how this all-star voting works. But we'll stay going over to college basketball. And, you know, the guys that people vote for, Duke, number one. Duke actually just lost. They just lost to Cuse. Syracuse tonight. Uh, my question to you, and I don't know if this affects your answer, who, you know, sticking with the theme of the final four teams in the NFL, who are the four best teams in college basketball, in your opinion, right now? So, obviously, you know, I'm going to include Duke still in there in that final four. I mean, if you're just, if you're just talking talent alone, those – Three, I mean, four guys now. We got to include Trey Jones in, in as a top four guy. But, I mean, you got R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, who are probably going one, two in the draft. Just you don't know which order yet. And Cam Reddish and Trey Jones, as good of a four as you're going to find maybe ever in college basketball. And then, obviously, Coach K at the helm. But then, again, you've had these super Duke teams that have lost in the first round, have lost in the second round, have lost super early. So, I definitely, you know, with how young they are, they are susceptible to losing in the tournament, but I'll still put them in my final four right now if we were doing brackets today. I think Michigan is probably the best team in college basketball, though. I think they are the best coach. They're extremely deep, and they are scary. And then going number three, although I hate it, I hate them. I don't like their style of play, but they're not losing. I'm going to put Virginia in there. They lost to the one seed, or they lost to the 16th seed. Last year in the tournament, I know Kyle Guy was out of that game. I think Kyle Guy is slightly overrated. And then number four, uh, that's, that's really tough. I might, have to, I might have to go back to the Big Ten and put Michigan State in there in the fourth spot. I love Cassius Winston this year. All right. Yeah, no, Virginia. To me, Virginia feels like a team of destiny. It's like, all right, you guys had your fun. You all mocked us. We made history. Playtime is over. Let's go play ball. And this is going to be the week that we learn how good Virginia is. They get Virginia Tech on Tuesday and Duke on Saturday. So, out of this week unscathed, I will buy Virginia as a championship team. Even if they go one and one, I'll still have them in the final four. They are in my, in my four right now. I do think Virginia is that good. Their defense is just amazing. I do agree with Duke. The one thing I'll say about Duke, and I'm going to keep hammering home my point, R.J. Barrett, if the Knicks have the number one pick, if I ran the team with the number one pick, I'm taking R.J. Barrett over Zion. But I also want the number two pick because then I don't have to make that decision. And you can take whichever one is left over. But um, That's fair. One, one team that I have that you didn't – I love Tennessee. I think Tennessee is playing amazing. Uh, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone, they just have such a great veteran team. People forget Rick Barnes knows how to coach. And Tennessee has picked up some big wins. Their one loss was to Kansas early in the season on a neutral court in New York. So I think I they're agree. The they're very the good. It's a, it's a good year for college basketball this year. It's, it's deep. It's a lot of good players. It's going to be a fun march, that's for sure. It really will because even – and my fourth team is Kansas. I, I'm never a believer in Kansas, but Diedrich Lawson's awesome. I know they've been hit by some injuries and some ineligibilities. 
but I would put Kansas in my top four. But the fact that we don't agree on the top four and the fact that there are so many other teams that we could list just goes to show you how much fun this March is. I think last year it was pretty obvious that Villanova was the best team. I think people were trying to come up with ways that Villanova might not win it, but they were always destined to win that championship. I don't think Duke is destined to win this championship. Like you said, they always find a way to lose with these super teams. So I think this is going to be a really exciting March. I'm really looking forward to Saturday night, though, Duke versus Virginia. Oh, that's going to be must-watch television. It's nice that it doesn't go up against NFL playoffs either with Championship Sunday going on. So Saturday night, get in front of a TV, watch that Duke-Cuse game. Or Duke, uh, I'm watching highlights of Duke-Cuse now, <laughs> Duke-Virginia game. Absolutely. Who? So who this year has been your biggest surprise in college basketball? Ooh, that is that is a good question. But I'm going to let you go ahead and answer your own question first, and uh, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, I have two. Um, Texas Tech, to me, is amazing. Texas Tech is 15-1. and one. The only guy I really knew last year was Zaire Smith, and he left. So I, just, I expected some kind of a drop-off. There hasn't been a drop-off. Uh, their only loss was to Duke and MSG. Certainly no shame there. And, you know, they beat, they beat Texas in Austin for the first time in 22 years. They beat Oklahoma. They've, they've just looked really impressive. And Ole Miss. Ole Miss, I believe, was projected to finish 10th or 11th in the SEC. They've rattled off 10 wins in a row. Their last loss was to Cincinnati. That's why I know Ole Miss because I'm paying close attention to them because that can end up being a good win in March for Cincinnati. And, you know, while you're thinking of your surprise and, and, and your disappointment, to me the biggest disappointment is without a question the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has been oh. so unbelievably horrible this season. Uh, this season? This has been a trend for a few years now. I think Pac-12, they're, they're finally realizing where they're going to say this might be the year that they only get one team in. And then the last few years, you know, they've overseeded a few of them and they've come up pretty short in, in the tournaments outside of, you know, the Oregon run. But um, I definitely agree with you. Pac-12 is super disappointing right now. I'm, no one's really staying or going out west to these teams. And so they're missing out on some big talent. They're, there's not great coaching out there. So I'll definitely agree with you there. And then I got my, my two yeah, I mean, surprise teams. I mean, Arizona – oh, I was going to say Arizona State was the best, it looked like, after they beat Kansas. But since then, all they've done is lose. Right. Here's the list of the teams that Pac-12 teams have lost to this year. Belmont, Liberty, twice to Santa Clara, twice to Seattle. Did you know that Seattle had a college basketball team? Only because I think IU's played them like once in the past decade or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. So that was news to me. And Seattle's beaten two Pac-12 teams. Princeton, Hawaii twice, Kent State, Yale, St. Louis, Montana State. So these are, I mean, these aren't real teams. No, it's And Liberty, Liberty won in UCLA. So it, it's a really bad year. So who are your Super two, embarrassing. So I'm going down, two surprise I'm going teams. down the beaten path a little bit. I don't think, you know, they're contenders by any means. But for me, um, just going off of a really good team, Last year, and then they lost some key guys. Uh, Marquette, who's maybe got the best score in college basketball with Marcus Howard. Ooh. I think they're awesome. And then my Hoosiers destroyed them. That's going to be our best win on the resume this year unless we, you know, beat Michigan 
or um, Michigan State at home this year. So that's going to be our best win on our resume. And then a team that's been down the dumps for a long time, and my boy Joe DeMasso in Boston is going to be loving this shout-out right now, uh, St. John's. They're finally – all their players that they've acquired through transfers and recruiting are finally coming together. They're winning some tough games. I know they just lost to DePaul the other day, but their best player – I was going to say, But Shamori Pons did not play that game. So – and they almost won. Yeah, DePaul you need is to a hope that the committee – no, DePaul's actually improved. Yeah. I think DePaul has two big East wins. But, um, yeah, you just have to hope that the committee kind of looks the other way when they see that loss if St. John's is in the mix for an at-large bid that they say, okay, Ponds didn't play. They won all these other games. I agree. St. John's has definitely had a breakout year. Yeah. And then I think, you know, besides just mentioning um, the dumpster side of the Pac-12, um, I personally think Kentucky has kind of uh, been a little disappointing this year. I mean, they came in, I think they were – Number two, when they when they lost to Duke, was that a one-two matchup early on in the year where they got it they was, got yeah. smacked by them? I mean, obviously, you know they're still hanging around in that that late or that early teens fringe right now. They're currently ranked twelve, um, but I mean, they're I think they're supreme reign with you know Calipari and all these one and dones. Like there just hasn't been, there's just not clicking. They're just not that amazing dominant team that they've had that we've seen since really that you know that Anthony Davis team. No, that's fair. And I actually had a huge expectations for Kentucky because not only did they bring in another top recruiting class, a lot of last year's class returned. Right. So they've definitely been, you know, they're still there. They're 12 and three, they're ranked 12, but I they've been underwhelming for what they could have been. Right. I mean, don't, I would it shock me, you know, that Calipari has them, you know, in the top 10 trending hot, you know, when it comes into March and if they win their conference tournament, I mean, you get them a three seed and they're clicking, that's a dangerous team. But right now it's just underwhelming. Absolutely. And then one last thing with college basketball. Before we jumped on this, I got a text about the NIT in reference to Indiana. So my question to you, and I'll answer the same question about Cincinnati. Is Indiana an NIT team or are they going to make the, the big dances here? I mean, it's – as of right now, I mean, obviously this was a bad loss tonight at home. 15 points, but I mean, coming into this week, they still had one of the best resumes on paper. The Big Ten is an absolute bloodbath this year. As of right now, there's 10 teams projected to make the tournament just to show you how deep it is. Going on the road in the Big Ten is a complete nightmare. So any good road win is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, Indiana's going to have to take care of business at home, steal a road game or two. Um, but as long as they, they hit that 20-win threshold this year, uh, they'll be a tournament team, depending on what seed they get and what those wins are against that team. But right now, I think they have four quadrant one wins considering, and I think that's, you know, in the top five in the country. So that's going to bode well for them. And especially, you know, if Louisville and Marquette keep winning games, those, those wins keep getting more valuable and valuable. So, Yeah, absolutely. It would be a shame to not see – Romeo Langford in the NCAA tournament. So I'm pulling for Indiana. For Cincinnati, we don't get the luxury of having the kind of wins that Indiana gets. We don't have that schedule. We don't have the luxury of, oh, as long as we get to 20 wins, we'll make it. Probably need 25 wins, uh, especially after losing to East Carolina. 
Bearcats also lost to the two best teams on the schedule, Ohio State and Mississippi State. The Ole Miss win is looking better by the day because they haven't lost since then. But it'll come down to we get Houston a couple times. They're probably the best team in the conference right now. And Cincinnati just has to keep winning. It's not a very good Cincinnati team. So if they can make the tournament and make it eight, nine straight years, then that's a win for this team. Absolutely. The consistency. I mean, that's what, you know, the, the Hoosier Nation is just crying for right now. Obviously, I have full faith in Archie Miller. Uh, you know, finally, you know, his first true year with a, a full recruiting class. So it's, you know, just a young team, but he's recruiting like crazy. And that's all we want is the consistency of, you know, not missing the tournament, you know, every other year where Kareen was starting to do. It's, it's, you know, getting there and eventually, you know, being, you know, one, you know, top seeds in the tournament as well. So it's just getting that consistency. But I definitely expect the Hoosiers to be there this year. Yeah, but there's a difference, and it's nine. It, it would be nine straight. I said eight or nine. They, Cincinnati's made it eight straight years, but in addition to consistency, there also has to be success. And I think both of our schools have struggled with that. Obviously, Cincinnati had one of the best teams in the country last year and couldn't get out of the second round. Right, and then IU. The and then IU has had three Sweet Sixteen runs in the past decade with. Very good teams, very good players on that, and then have come up short against the Anthony Davis team in Kentucky. A very good defensive Syracuse team, and then North Carolina, which went on to win the national championship that year. So IU has had those fun Sweet 16 runs, but then have lost to these also powerhouse schools, and that needs to end. Archie Miller, that's where Archie Miller's success is going to be determined is eventually getting that final four run. Hopefully it's sooner than later. I hope so. I mean, I'm always pulling for Indiana. I have a soft spot for those candy cane pants. Yeah. All right. Any, any final thoughts, college basketball, NBA, NFL, any last words before we sign off here? Uh, I uh, just want to rehash. I'd say take the overs. And the championship Sunday, and enjoy the games, rooting for points, and uh, that's all. That's all. I'll leave off. Leave it off with. Yeah, hope everyone enjoys the games this weekend. Mike Schneid, Zach Stein, MikeDropSports.com. Make sure you check out the site. We'll be back every week now, moving forward. Looking forward to another week with you next week, Z. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This was really fun. Excited to be doing this all year. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.